0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. That wasn't a good one. No, No, bring it up. You're immediately being like, (laughs) no. That's not it. No.
1: I don't feel welcome to Dragon Talk.
0: Mm. Me, me, me. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yeah, that's better. No, no, that's good either. Right, ready? Why don't you do it? You do it. Yeah, you were. No, I was taking
1: a deep breath for you.
0: For me. (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) Dragon
2: Talk.
0: That was good. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. We it had a very
1: good fantasy There was element. like a
0: fanfare for yep. that. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I am Greg Tito.
1: And I'm Shelley Mazzanoble.
0: And we are your co-hosts for the next, you know, 95 four years. minutes. For you. Yeah. Four years. <laughs> the next four years, our contracts hey, are going to be up.
1: speaking of, do you know what episode number we're on? No. Oh,
0: Then episode numbers were hard because it was like, when do we start that numbering process? Because this podcast. Uh, I don't know if everyone who's listening now knows this, but this was the official feed for uh, when Acquisitions Incorporated began the podcast way back in the day. And then you and Bart uh, did a lot of stuff. Jeremy Crawford and Mike Morales did episodes. And so it was really hard to kind of figure out where to begin. I think
1: you being – we should find the very first one that you were on and count them up and then have, like, big anniversary parties.
0: I know. People do that now. I noticed that, like, uh, Comedy Bang Bang, for example, just had their 1,000th episode episode. Celebration? I mean,
1: if you go back to the originals of what Dragon Talk was, yeah. it's probably it's been going on for years.
0: Let's just say like this is a thousand. Like this is number a thousand no, right here. And we'll start tra- numbering next from there.
1: Cas, so we have time to plan the party. Okay.
0: Next one. Next right. one. Oh, okay, now we're like nine 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 five. Yep. Right. Oh. Okay. okay. And so we'll do our party. Well, we can actually do it. We can make it up. It's fantasy. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because numbers are different in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> exactly. Did we, you know that? Uh, they, you know. they
1: number podcasts differently in the Forgotten
0: Realm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, all right. Yeah. All, I like this 100%. Fantasy. It's your game. Uh, so speaking of things that we just make up and then become reality, D&D Live 2019 The Descent yes. came out of our brains and is going to be a real thing very soon. Based
1: on... An award-winning
0: stream. Multi-award-winning. Multi-award-winning. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, You know, so, yeah, the stream of many eyes was uh, tons of fun, great success. Uh, That built off of Stream of Annihilation, which built off of D&D Live from Meltdown uh, Mm -hmm. all the way back in the day when we introduced uh, Storm King's Thunder. Do you remember all that? Yep. Um, So, uh, yeah, we've been going crazier and building and making these events larger and more in-charger. Yeah. That's not how...
1: They're larger, you're more in charger. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> no, but, uh, but we'll, we'll go with that, sure. That's, okay. that's, that's what's happening. Uh, it has been crazy putting all this together. We're excited. Uh, and Let me tell you all about it right now. Okay! so <laughs> <laughs> starts on May 17th. Uh, we have live programming beginning on 2pm mm, Pacific time it will be on uh, this channel twitch.tv slash TND, okay. as well as every other channel that Dungeons and Dragons controlled including uh, Facebook live, Twitter video YouTube gaming no uh, way. it'll be uh, Taking over the on, on Steam yes. uh, all of the many many channels uh, we will be broadcasting live starting with a very special live stream Game performance by uh, Deborah Ann Wall, who is our guest. She's kicking things off. In the interview section, yes. Uh, she's kicking things off. Aww, that's amazing. Uh, it'll have her main cast. We're still going to add potentially another uh, a special guest to her cast, but we're really excited about that, and we'll talk about uh, all of that with her, as well yes. as what it was like uh, creating that show for Geek and & Sundry and uh, all the fun stuff involved there. Um, then at 4 p.m. Pacific time, uh, we got the D&D team talking about the new adventure. Uh, that we are uh, basing this whole crazy event around. Can't wait. We'll also be talking about some uh, crazy products. I keep using the word crazy. Uh, many, many, crazy many Eddie. different products that uh, some of which Shelly is working on. You will actually be on that live stream. You Am know I, that, right? I? I
1: mean, you know my flight gets in like right around then.
0: Oh, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, so you're scheduled in there. You're fine. I'm scheduled. No, don't. Uh, as I was saying I'm that, I'm sorry.
1: like, sorry, it came out. It I'm, came out.
0: I'm giving the update, <laughs> and someone's going to do that. Um, we'd love. But
1: yeah, I think I'm going to be there.
0: You're going to be there, and uh, we'll talk about Hall crimes of crazy stuff. Maybe even something uh, along the lines of these uh, actual books that we have in here, which are the Young Adventurers Guides. We actually got the Hot real proofs off the press. just recently. And yeah. we'll be talking about uh, the two other ones of those uh, that are scheduled for this fall. Scheduled for this fall. Um, as well as I mean I, I can't even there's so many hints of things that I want to drop but I'll leave that to Nathan and his spoilers show is he gonna have um, another
1: one before the live event I
0: think in, he will. no I don't think he will you're no? right so I'll spoil so it just all I it. want Following all of those wonderful insights into the D&D products that are coming out this year is a live show on that main stage in front of, you know, 300 fans in the live studio audience and then all the people that are watching online. A four-part uh, story that is going to be led by Jeremy Crawford. He'll start it off. Kate Welch. <gasps> Marisha Ray is Dungeon Mastering <gasps> and Chris Perkins is Dungeon Mastering. Oh, my all God. All of those. Amazing performers in all of those casts, including Joe Manganiello, Matthew Lillard, uh, Malik Forte, Mika Burton. Uh, These are just the names that are coming off the top of my head. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Um, uh, Satine Phoenix will be uh, performing. Uh, uh, Folks from the Adventure Zone, Travis McElroy and Clint McElroy will be performing. Patrick Rothfuss will be part of it. Jerry Holkins from Aquitians Incorporated will be playing his character as Omen Drawn in this storyline. Gosh, I'm forgetting so many, but they're they're all going to be amazing. This and is
1: great. I'm using the word. I know, right? Crazy schedule really is, is up
0: right now on dnd.wizards.com/slash/dndlive2019. All the information is up there, and I'm I haven't so even excited. gotten to what's happening in the studio pods yet on Saturday and Sunday. Crazy. <laughs> it's
1: crazy, Eddie.
0: We've got groups like uh, Rivals of Waterdeep, High Rollers, and Kate Welch will be a performer in those. All right, no, going back to the studio pods. My
1: God, uh,
0: uh, so many. Um, you know what? I actually do have it all in here for so I don't have to worry about forgetting. That's why I have my laptop in front the of me, interwebs. people. That's what it's for. Is
1: Kate going to be Rosie? Uh, bring on her Rosie. She
0: will be cool. as Rosie. In addition, to, in addition to being um, uh, a dungeon master. No, that's nutty. Nutty, right? Use a
1: different word.
0: <laughs> We've got synonyms. Uh, Christina Ariel is going to be in the main stage. I forgot to mention her. Uh, and, of course, Deborah Ann, Wall, Deborah Ann Wall will be in that main stage, as well as Matthew Mercer and Talison Jaffe from Critical Role. Hi, and yeah. Jim Zub. He will be playing Jim a very special, very special character that, uh, if I tell you the name I of that know. character, it will... Uh, clue you in too much Yet. as to what this uh, adventure storyline is going to be all about, um, but then uh, in from the studio pods. I'm talking fast because I'm full of coffee and I need to get this all out before <laughs> before we end. Uh, so we've got everything going on in D and D beyonds. Uh, own studio pod. Todd Talks is going to be there. They're going to do dev updates. Heroes of the Veil vale will be in there. Rivals of Waterdeep. Um, some special content uh, as well as High Rollers and uh, role play Roulette. Uh, then the podcast folks, which I'm super excited. So many uh, people who create live play podcasts are going to be involved with this event, including the One Shot Network, Taking Initiative, d and is for Nerds, Venture Maidens, Drunks and Dragons, D20 Dames, Dungeon Drunks, and the Cocktail Crew.
1: Oh, who's the cocktail crew? The
0: cocktail crew, I was confused, but now I know, is a mixture of a lot of the podcast uh, uh, folks.
1: Uh, uh, who are,
0: They just came up with that as being like, oh, that's our, Rather than saying, I think, I, I think at one point I just said it was like a grab bag uh, of people. Rather than saying that, they're the cocktail crew.
1: Well, I mean, it's good you told me that. Otherwise, I probably would have been following them around all weekend.
0: <laughs> I think you're a honorary member of the cocktail crew. I'd
1: like a cocktail.
0: <laughs> it's be- better than the breakfast club, I guess.
1: Unless you have cocktails uh, for breakfast.
0: Then Shelly and I are going to be doing Dragon Talk uh, yeah. live. So we'll be,
1: that's why I'm going.
0: That's why you're going to be there. Well, there's many reasons why you're going to be there because it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a great panel uh, led by uh, Tony DePass called uh, Role for Inclusion. Actors Incorporated, the C-Team. Dragon Friends are coming all the way from Australia. They're going to be there. The Saving Throw Show will be there. Web DM, a wonderful YouTube channel, is going to be there.
1: All of these people are actually going to be there.
0: Yes physically in the place. The Broken Pact, uh, Ruben Bressler's team of folks from the uh, Saving Throw Show is going to be doing stuff. Uh, Sirens of the Realms, Tales from the Mists, Enter the Darkness, which is another kind of uh, a grab bag group uh, with an awesome name led by uh, Dale Rick, uh, the DM there with some uh, wonderful talent that uh, I'm excited to meet because I've been following them all for a long time. Uncommon Trust, which is led by B. Dave Walters. Aww. Monsters and Fables, which is led by TJ Storm. Uh, that's an interesting thing. We'll be showing off videos of that in the next uh, a few things. And then Nerd Poker is going to be doing a live stream.
1: They're going to be there?
0: They are going to physically be there.
1: We're going to meet them for reals. We're going
0: to meet them for reals. Uh, yes, Dan Telfer is uh, amazing. I can't wait for...
1: I kind of feel like we've met him because we've talked to him exactly. a couple of times. Exactly, we've talked to him. Show, I saw
0: him at Stream really of Many Eyes. Uh, and I haven't met him. And Dan Telfer is going to be uh, doing the emceeing for the Sunday night concert. Mm-hmm. Celebrating the end, uh, all the community of Dungeons & Dragons. Tons of great performers are going to be involved in it's that. It's talent show. It's like a talent show, right? Including the Library Bards. Chris Funk put all of this music together. He's the guitarist from the Decemberists, a huge gamer in his own right. Uh, Jason Charles Miller, the Mountain Goats, Cardioid. is going to be the house band there for everything. Uh, and it's going to be closing it out by a group called the Magic Sword uh, which is kind of like a techno fantasy EDM group that My are God. amazing and they have lighting effects. I can't wait to have it all There is uh, so happen. much. That's it. Cosplay. A lot of cosplay. Are you going in cosplay? Yeah. Flapper. Or, or, oh. oh, no, we could be, be Drunky Two-Shoes uh, and Daryl uh, Two-Shoes. That's right. Uh, we're gonna get two-shoes. our faces painted. That's right. We'll get some, uh, get some, some, ears. some cat paint. Yeah. I like it. All right. That's DD Live 2019, The Descent. We just announced Whoa. all of those details. Uh, again, go to slash DND Live 2019 for all that information. I'm using hand gestures because I am very excited.
1: That's pretty amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm really excited.
0: <sighs> Let's talk about uh, these books. We just got yeah, them here. I uh, just swiped them right off of the The Young status. Adventurers Guides uh, are coming from 10 Speed Pressed. They were kind of headed up by, um, oh, yeah, you can can actually, we can can do like, like we're real, uh, you know, talk show hosts. Like, like,
1: here we go. Like Hoda.
0: Hoda. Just like Hoda. Just like Hoda. I like that that's where you went to for like. There's
1: no more Kathy Lee. Do you know they're not together anymore? Kathy Lee quit.
0: Wow. What what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? I mean,
1: well, we have like 60 years. (laughs) So, like, <laughs> That's right. well, we're good,
0: yeah, nice. Uh, we'll get Regis, uh, and uh, and Hoda back together. Again. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: we're never together, but whatever.
0: But but they should be now. Oh, you can that was my Regis that was impression. Really good. Was that good? Uh, anywho, oh. these uh are amazing books, they're in a small form. Oh, oh that can is a good owl looking bar? owl bar. They bar. bar. They have all new artwork throughout them. That was something that when we talked to Jim Zub about it, he was very adamant uh, about having it not just be pickup art from previous uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, uh, you know, books and materials, but brand new art, new conceptions of so cool. things that we think young readers uh, would enjoy. Now, these are not necessarily just for young readers, but they are written with young readers in mind, uh, and it's a way to get them uh, up to speed on D&D concepts, basically. Uh, there's four of these that have been announced. The first Oop. two, Warriors and Weapons. And what's the one that you have?
1: I have... I'm Sorry, I was so absorbed you're in so, the book. You're just like going to read it. <laughs> monsters and Creatures.
0: Nice. Which uh, I like
1: the layout of this. I'll just look at the Flump page. Uh, so you have information about
0: Ooh. The flump,
1: and then it tells you That's things, a
0: good-looking Flump.
1: ...what to do should you encounter. All of the monsters are laid out this way. So you get a little info about the Flump. And then it says, do this. Let them into your head. Flumps can't speak, but they can share secrets and warnings via telepathy.
0: I'm doing that right now.
1: You got a flump in your head.
0: <sighs> I was just saying, I like you, Shelley, and don't. you do good work.
1: Oh, let me use my flump to talk back to you.
0: I do not smell like poop.
1: Oh, that must be the flump. Because <laughs> it says, dungeons are stinky and... En- oh, don't, don't do this. Don't frighten them. Dungeons are stinky enough without being coated with a flump stench spray. Mm-hmm. So... I love it. I cannot wait to read this whole book.
0: These two books are out on July sixteenth. There are two more coming in the fall: Dungeons and Tombs and Wizards and Spells. And I'm hoping to be able to talk more about those at D and D Live.
1: Yes, these are they're such good books. They're so I am I, very very. This is the first time we've had books.
0: them able to be opened uh, and all that stuff, which is why we love doing uh, this on the home. live stream. It's good stuff. Tried. You tried? <laughs> You're Like I can just put this. No one Sorry. will know. Yeah.
1: Tito accidentally brought your books home.
0: Sorry. They're already read. We can give them back like it's a library. Yeah. Um, what, do you have any other fun stuff you want to talk can't about? can't even talk about before, it. Before, yeah, all right. Well, you, maybe we'll find out at D&D Live.
1: You'll find out a
0: couple of things. A couple of things. I'm so excited about all of those things. Yeah. It's going to be great.
1: There's one that's, oh. Okay. I can't.
0: I, I, I feel it. I feel so it coming fun. out of, oh, your flump, flump just told me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me flump you all. I'm going to flump to you who are right? listening to it's this so right good. now. What
1: oh. flumps? Great exciting.
0: stuff! Uh, again, want everybody to be paying attention to what's happening at D and D Live. You won't be disappointed with the no. amount of news as well as the entertainment that will be going on. Tell your friends, uh, you know, tell Tune tell your family, in. tell your enemies. Watch everything that's happening because uh, it's going to be worthwhile.
1: And Greg worked really
0: hard. I on worked that. really hard on it, and I need people to watch it or else I'll get upset. <laughs> 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 They'll get in trouble. We'll get in trouble because we're spending too much money on it. <laughs> and if it's not worthwhile, they're going to be mad. <laughs> we're going to
1: get real mad.
0: <laughs> they're going to get real mad. Wow. Uh, but it is. It's It's always a huge labor of love putting this all together. The community uh, is – Is. I mean that's. that's the aspect that I love about it is that so many – uh, folks from different backgrounds and different areas mm-hmm. of the country and the world come together and just celebrate what it's like to play Dungeons and Dragons. It's all with the, you know, through focus through the lens of this new adventure and, and how people get excited about that. But to me, it's really just about the D and D community and, and uh, showcasing that for the world. Yes. Um. So you're going it's gonna be the first one you're, you've been able to attend. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you went I to Stream kind of, annihilation. of
1: yeah.
0: Um. But Briefly. Yeah. In and were, out. You're gonna have a happiness hangover. I know. It's gonna be a thing.
1: I really can't wait. Uh,
0: in addition to actual hangovers. <laughs>
1: Probably that. I'm going a cocktail crew. I'm coming for you. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. We're going to get to our uh, segment. Uh, I believe we are talking to Chris Perkins about some lore you should know. Uh, and then we'll come back with our interview with Deborah Ann Wall. Yes. Dungeon Master of Relics and Rarities and performer at D&D Live 2019 The Descent.
1: Can't wait. We're going to
0: talk to her soon. Segment time bings bongs bongs bings bings bongs <laughs> Hello and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito and I am joined by Mr. Chris Bergens. Greetings. And on this segment, where we get into little bits of D and D lore, bits and bobs, as we like to say, mm-hmm. uh, for you to know or maybe use in your game, we are going to talk about the uh, the hierarchy of those in charge of uh, a settlement uh, on the Sword Coast, Baldur's Gate. Indeed, uh, we've talked about Waterdeep a lot in the past, as well mm-hmm. as Luskin and
2: Neverwinter, uh, but we haven't talked a lot about uh, Baldur's Gate. It is true, and and Baldur's Gate is popular with the video game player. Years. That's true. Yes. Yeah.
0: Kate Welch is now playing That's on right. uh, Welch's Game Juice through uh, Baldur's Gate 2, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, for a lot of people, uh, including uh, our president, Chris Cox, it was they're, they're into the D&D lore. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into that lore a little bit.
2: Absolutely. So Baldur's Gate, uh, which is indeed on the Sword Coast, uh, it's south of Waterdeep, but north of the nations of Tathir, Amun, and Kalimshan. And it's kind of in a pretty cool place because not only do you have the sea trade, but it's right on the River Chianthar, which heads inland toward the inner sea. And there's a bunch of settlements over in that way, too. Right. Uh, And so a lot of activity happens here. Now, uh, Baldur's Gate started off as just this misty little trade town used by pirates and other traders kind of off the grid, Mm. but has grown up into a full-blown city um, with a wall built around the original town, which has since grown into what's called the upper city, Mm -hmm. and then expansive areas around that leading down toward the river, which is now called the lower city, and that too is now walled in. So there's like two walls in the city, the outer wall and the inner wall, or the 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 upper city wall and the lower city wall, if you will, okay. and then there's a sprawl outside the city where the slums are. The, I see, and and water, uh, water deep. Uh, Baldur's Gate has attracted more than its fair share of refugees and um, other sorts from other places over the years, and just sort of collected them in these outer city um, neighborhoods. But I digress. Were the, it, were the
0: walls, you know, used for defense? I mean, has, has it been oh, under yes. siege a bunch?
2: Um, actually, it, it's. Mm-hmm. Very rarely come under attack. I think Waterdeep's been attacked more than Baldur's Gate has, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so uh, it hasn't. But uh, though, like the walls have never been cast down, and the place had to be rebuilt, or the city's never burned down and had to be rebuilt, okay. as far as I know. Um, but it's these walls are quite old, uh, the, particularly the inner one. I see, um, and is riddled with holes and places where it need, really needs to be repaired. Okay. Um, but here's the interesting thing about Baldur's Gate, the thing that sets it apart from all the other cities of the North, um, and the Western heartlands. And that is, it is a bloody murderous place. Mm. It is a dangerous, dangerous place. Law and
0: order uh, is not the name of the game.
2: It's the city has four dukes that preside over it. They're called the council of four. There is a grand duke and then three other dukes. If they have to vote on matters, the Grand Duke's vote counts as two. Got it. So that's how the ties are Tie-breaker. broken. Tiebreaker. And then uh, the the next group in the city in terms of the government is called the Parliament of Peers. And what is mostly made up of are residents, particularly the wealthy residents in the city, mm-hmm. the money,
0: mm-hmm.
2: basically. And nobles in Baldur's Gate carry a special name. They're known as Patriarchs. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, gender, even though it sort of sounds like patriarch. Mm. Um, there are male, female, and other patriarchs. Got it. And, uh, but this, this council basically weighs on matters. This parliament appears, weighs on matters, and then elevates it to the dukes for sort of the final judgment. Uh, and of course, since the government is basically controlled by the rich there's a huge divide between mm. the rich and the poor in Baldur's gate. The rich live in the upper city, the poor live in the lower city and outer city and get less, uh, attention, less representation. And so they live in very dangerous areas run by cutthroat gangs and a, and a, and a, a, a thieves guild called the guild. But the power is in the upper city where the money is. And it's, it's a hard line divide, uh, you can't even get into the upper city unless you're a resident or you have a token that lets you stay there until night falls and then you're thrown out. Oh, okay. And the the city's quote-unquote military is basically a hired mercenary company uh, called the Flaming Fist, mm. and it's firmly under the control of the dukes. And the dukes, of course, are more interested in the preservation of those with money and power than anything else. So while the Flaming Fist is nominally charged with guarding the city, they're really really just glorified, jackbooted thugs.
0: And when you say guarding the city, it's not guarding against uh, attacks from without. It's,
2: it's basically technically police both, force. Technically both. They're supposed to protect from attacks from within and without. Okay. But they, uh, do they operate as the police force? They do. I see. Yeah, so they've got an all-encompassing power thing. Now, there is another police force, technically, but it's relegated only to the upper city, and it's called the Watch, mm. which is a bit misleading, in a sense, because what they are, in fact, is their only interest is in protecting the Patriarchs. Right. Um, so Because they pay them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's where the money comes from. Yeah. So the Patriarchs get paid... Uh, the Patriarchs pay the Watch to protect them, and the city pays the Flaming Fist to protect the city, but the Flaming Fist handles themselves like you would expect a bunch of, you know, thuggish mercenaries. Because they are. They are, yes. very much. Um, and then is there corruption that goes down Rampant. Rampant corruption. Mm. Um, on, and it's not just the rich who are corrupt. Everybody who's trying to eke out a living in this city is not above using corrupt methods to deal with uh, rivals. And murder is common. People do not travel around Baldur's Gate unescorted unless they're capable of protecting themselves Mm. because they will get murdered, either just simply for their money or their food or their clothes or because, hey, that's a patriarch. We don't like him or we want to send a message to those rich bastards on the top of the hill. Mm. So we're just going to, you know, beat the living crap out of this guy and even visitors and
0: tourists who might come. Uh, not as if it, there's a vibrant tourism <laughs> uh, industry in,
2: in Baldur's yeah, Gate. Well, but. There's, well, one of the things about Baldur's Gate is because of its location, it is a trade hub, okay. and you can buy things at Baldur's Gate that you can't get in a lot of other places. Oh, right. So people do come to trade here, but fair warning, when you're moving around, make sure you're in a group,
0: Yeah,
2: uh, or your first visit to Baldur's Gate will be your last. So this is
0: a, in, you know... Direct contrast to Waterdeep, which yes. has uh, uh, a much more lawful. Right. Yeah,
2: both cities are very metropolitan, but Waterdeep has a strict codified set of laws. It has a, a generally speaking honest um, police force, uh, dedicated to protecting right. all citizens of the city. And it's not—it's
0: not very common to have a, a blade when you're walking around the city. Right.
2: Yes, and and it's it's cleaner. It's widely regarded as a safe place. Um, yeah. Baldur's Gate is absolutely the opposite. Um, and and it ha- lots of illicit business just happens here and nobody cares. Mm. Pirates can sail into harbor and sell their goods. And it's like, oh, that's, that's where'd pirate. you get this? Oh, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just glad you have it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay, you, here are pay your top coins. dollar for Bye. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the other important thing uh, about Baldur's Gate is it's not too far away from Candlekeep, which is the Faerun's preeminent library. And so people come to Baldur's Gate, because in order to enter Candlekeep to get at the library, you have to give the monks of the of Candlekeep a book that they don't have. And so people will come to Baldur's Gate to buy a rare book, yeah, and then take it with them to Candlekeep to trade for entry. Which seems like a whole, you know, cottage industry right
0: there. To there make sure is, that- and there's
2: an industry operated by Baldur's Gate Thieves Guild. That basically has muggers waiting outside the city to attack people to steal the books that they bought and sell them back in Baldur's Gate ah. at a markup. So if you're leaving Baldur's Gate with a book, like just under your arm, chances are you're going to get mugged and lose the book. Does Cal-
0: Candlekeep have any uh, you know, direct connections to the, the government of
2: Baldur's Gate? No. No. They're, uh, they independent. Correct. Now, uh, Z- uh, ba- uh, Candlekeep is a self sustaining fortress. Mm-hmm. It's not just a library. It's actually a, like a citadel. Yeah. It's a guarded library. And it's got archmages up the wazoo. But it's just far enough away. I think it's about 150 miles south of Baldur's Gate. Oh, okay. That's far enough far. away that it's not... They're, That's they're, still like a week's travel right. really away. Yeah, right? exactly. So uh, Candlekeep doesn't rely on Baldur's Gate for anything. And Baldur's Gate um, while, while it has a brisk book trade, doesn't need anything much from Candlekeep. Now what Baldur's Gate does need is protection from its neighbors to the south, particularly the nation of Amun, which is a mercantile nation and a very aggressive one mm-hmm. that views Baldur's Gate as an upstart and a threat to its trade, mass, uh, trade control of the Sea of Swords. And so what Baldur's Gate did was enter into the Lord's Alliance, which is kind of like a NATO, of uh, yeah. Faerun. We've talked about this before. The Lord's Alliance is a, a collection of allied cities, independent cities that c- will promise to come to each other's defense if one of them comes under attack. Right. And that includes Neverwinter, Waterdeep, Moon, Mirabar, Mithril Hall, and other places. And it includes Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate. Right. Baldur's Gate is, I think, the southernmost member of the Lord's Alliance and the farthest removed from all of the other cities. Okay.
0: About how um, far away is Say water deep.
2: Oh, from. gosh. I'd have to check a map, but I want to say maybe about a thousand miles. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so it is quite, quite a difference. Right? Yeah. And Amun is much closer. Uh, so there's always the threat, in, there's always the fear in Baldur's Gate that Amman is just going to attack.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Baldur's Gate also recently struck up an alliance with Port Nyanzaru, oh. which is the city on the northern tip of Chult.
0: Didn't it used to be didn't Port Nian used to be a, a used to be an, colony? Yeah.
2: It, well, it wasn't it was it was kind of taken over by the by Amun until the Chaltons drove the Amuns out. Ah. So what unifies Baldur's Gate and Port nyanzaru is a is a general dislike of amun of Amun. Got so um, and this is another thing that infuriates Amun is Baldur's Gate has established this trade Line, with Chult, mm-hmm. and they've even got a fort on Chult, uh, a satellite where the Flaming Fist operate out of independently. Uh, so Amen is trying its best to try to break up that thing, and uh, this will cause Baldur's Gate and Port Nainzaro no end of grief. Yes, interesting. Yeah, and so the leaders of Baldur's Gate, the the four dukes, they are all known. Um, they've changed quite a lot recently. Um, with we did a, a product in as a bridge product between fourth and fifth edition called Murder in Baldur's Gate. Right. And we actually had a little um, poll online on our website which said, hey, run this adventure, tell us what the outcome is, and that will shape the future of the city and who's in charge. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happens in that adventure is uh, the previous Grand Duke whose name is Abdal Adrian, he he turns into he he reveals himself to be a ball spawn, which is this um, a chosen of ball. Um, the god of murder and assassins uh, he gets gacked another uh, villainous duke named Torland Silvershield also gets gacked in that adventure mm. and so uh, we kind of have two we had two vacancies to fill um, one of them got filled by uh, uh, so uh, Duke Alder Ravengard who is the leader of the Flaming Fist he's a military commander basically oh, a okay. mercenary leader has been promoted. It's kind of fishy. Like the guy who's running the military in the city is now suddenly the grand duke of the city.
0: Yeah. Mm. How, and so when you say elevated or promoted, how, how does it that occur? Actually elected.
2: Uh, by yeah.
0: the parliament? S- yes. Okay. Um, and then how, how is the parliament chosen? Uh,
2: that's good. It's an interesting question because it's not a fixed size. Mm. Um, it can shift around, uh, but, uh, the parliament of peers are also elected, uh, uh and uh, basically elected by their peers in the city, uh, meaning the rich people yeah. in the upper city. Yeah, the lower people, uh, the the lower city people and our city people really don't have much influence over the politics of Baldur's Gate. Okay, so they take a Sadly.
0: A, a straw poll and, and they yeah, who's the parliament and the right. parliament chooses yeah. among their number yeah. who becomes the archduke? Uh,
2: not well, it might not even be among their number.
0: Oh, okay, It could be anybody. Uh, the, Which the, is the, how the grand he got
2: in. The, the grand duke can just uh, often a duke who's not a grand duke will get elevated. Mm. And that's kind of what happened with him. So he's worked his way up, but it is, a little, it is a little odd that you've got this guy who's also in charge of the military running the city.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's going to be kind of hard if he gets to, has to get stepped down. Like, oh, but I rule the military, exactly, so how are you right. going to do that again? Yeah, yeah. Right. So
2: that, that makes some folks nervous, but it was after, after so much murder and bloodshed, you know, you know what happens. You know when when people just sort of naturally swing or gravitate toward extremity mm-hmm. after experiencing some trauma. Yeah, uh, they'll they'll say, "Well, you know, the streets have been painted with blood, and this place is completely lawless. What we need is a strong leader, and who's stronger than the guy who's leading the military? Oh, Let's put him in charge. What a great idea! It can't be any worse than what we got, right?
0: <laughs> um, it's worse,
2: exactly. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, okay. And we, then who's,
0: who's the other uh, Duke? That got the elevated? other
2: one that we elevated was um, Duke Thalamra Van Thamper. Van Thamper. Van Thamper. She she is described in Murder in Balsergate, and she's been in the, the setting for a while, but is a very minor figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was the master of the city's utilities and sewer systems, which you wouldn't think would be that important. But when when you really think about it, yeah, a city, kind of, particularly a medieval one, kind of needs a good sewer system. Yeah. Otherwise, it literally becomes a shithole. Like and
0: Tyrion Lannister, exactly
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. So here is this uh, self-made woman who rose from nothing. Her family had nothing. Uh, she she worked. In the sewers, actually rebuilding and repairing them herself. She's a civil engineer. She was a civil engineer until basically she discovered that her superiors were incompetent, mm-hmm. and she she managed to get more and more authority until she was promoted into positions of supervisors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, the the dukes decided, ah, oh, we'll just make you the master of the sewer system and all that. And uh, so she has uh, parlayed that power um, politically. And with some well placed bribes, managed to get elected to the fourth ducal position. Is that is that basically how elections are done by well
0: placed bribes?
2: Pretty much. You, b- of you, the you bribe city. exactly. You bribe the the rich patriarchs, and suddenly they're all on your side, and you're, all of your elected opponents find themselves deprived of financing and thrown by the wayside.
0: So, if you're uh, a dungeon master using these, uh, archdukes or, or the, the political machinations and murders that happen in, in, Baldur's Gate, uh, you know,
2: what's, what's a good way to, to kind of, you know, infuse that character in your campaign? I think, um, one of the things that's great about Baldur's Gate is if, if I were running a Baldur's Gate campaign, I might suggest that you sit down during your first session and have the party members decide what's their dark secret, what's their dark mm. thing, um, the characters' dark secret. Yeah, <laughs> Not the the play- ca- <laughs> right. What's well, the characters' dark secret that has united them here in Baldur's Gate? Like, did they murder somebody and then cover it up, and so mm. they're sort of bound by this kind of dark pact? Uh, did they try to uh, swindle the guild, and things went bad, and now they have to stick together, or the guild's going to wipe them out? Um, I think that sort of sets the mood. Mm. Uh, they might be some of them might be former Flaming Fist mercenaries who were right. a little bit uh, too soft on crime and got dragooned out, or, you know... Uh, I think that the, the, in a city like Baldur's Gate, you can either come in like shining beacons and try to bring order to the madness, or you can be part of the city itself and have some sort of dark past that you're either trying to escape from or wrestle with. Mm. Um, so you can, go, you can go either direction. But the great thing about Baldur's Gate is if you get into a fight and people die... If the flaming fish shows up at all, they're going to probably just look at the situation and say, "Okay, everybody, pay us—I don't know—five gold. <laughs> Great. Now just throw that in the, throw that corpse in the harbor, and yes. that's it. Yeah. You know, there's no tribunal or trial. Right. Exactly. Or anything like that. Right. Yeah. All
0: right, clean it up. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's it's basically just grift and corruption all, mm-hmm. the, all the way.
2: Right. So that's very it's very um, there's a lot of liberty. That an empowerment that comes from there. If you have a murder hobo party, that could be a, like an a absolute delight. Yeah. If you have a if you have another if you have a, a party that's not a murder hobo party, uh, that feeling of oh, we can at least you know kill our enemies and not have to worry about being arrested. Whereas in Waterdeep, if you pull a sword out and you attack anybody, you're going to get imprisoned or sentenced to hard labor. And yeah. Stuff like that. There's it's a, yeah. It's almost very- no tolerance.
0: Which is, which is very interesting. I mean, and running a water deep campaign right now, it does feel like okay. No, you can't just go around and uh, even insulting people, or, or you know right. feeling like there's because there's consequences to your actions. But at exactly. Baldur's Gate, the, con- a, the consequences are immediate. With, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and as long as you're you know, and most yeah. players are competent fighters, as long as you're a competent fighter, you, you can exactly you know, have some
2: uh, autonomy. Yeah. But the one thing you'll know uh, one the best thing about bringing to life in Baldur's Gate is the sense of disparity between the rich and the poor. Yeah the poor loathe the rich because the rich live in their high houses, literally, (laughs) and they don't share the wealth. Yeah. Um, And everybody else is forced to basically kill each other for scraps, fight over what's left. And um, finding a way in a campaign to bring justice to that kind of situation, to to raise the voices of the people and Mm. to protect those who can't protect themselves is just, it's ripe ground for a campaign.
0: Have there been Kind of populist uprisings of of the of the poor of Baldur's Gate in the past. That's
2: interesting to say. Um, yes, to an extent, not to the extent that the whole city has been burned to the ground or anything. Mm-hmm. But whenever whenever the the poor do get riled up, the patriarchs have at least been smart enough to find a way to defuse it. Mm. Uh, the the grand and the grand duke and the dukes as well. You know, uh, tax relief or some sort of festival or something to diffuse the situation has always managed to sort of keep the city from imploding. Mm. But it's still, to some extent, a powder keg. All it would take, really, is um, like a plague or some other calamity uh-huh. left unchecked that would probably drive the people to storm the upper city and uh, slaughter every patriarch in every house there is. So that is a... While, while the rich hold power, it, is, it, it can be tenuous. Right. Interesting.
0: Luckily, uh, the, the chance of uh, disease uh, isn't as high because of the well-maintained sewer systems. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. True. All right. Uh, excellent. Well, if people want to ask you questions about uh, the, the hierarchy and the archdukes and the current uh, government of Baldur's Gate, how can they get in touch? I am on
2: Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. Excellent.
0: Uh, All right, well, we'll be back with some more fun lore and or other segments in the future. Thank you very much. That was a really wonderful segment. I feel like I know so much more about uh, what happens in uh, that city. You do? Yeah. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yes. It it's the city of Baldur's Gate. People have been playing. Uh, 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 Kate Welch has been playing through uh, Baldur's Gate 2 right. on uh, her awesome show, Welch's Game Juice. Yep. Which, if you're not watching, you should. It's uh, 3 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash d on Thursdays. Every Thursday. It's very funny. If you don't watch it, you're going to get juiced. Very good. Juiced. But
1: not in
0: a good way. Wait, hold on. I'm going to talk and you talk. Ready? One, two, three. One, two, three, one, three, one, three, one, three, one, three, we professional robots. We make robots happen for you. Um, let us now call up our amazing guest, Deborah Ann Wall. We have spoken to her uh, before on the podcast, but I'm really excited to talk to her all about uh, putting together the uh, dungeon mastering for relics and rarities and what it's like to, to work on that type of show. Yeah. As well as how she will be bringing that show and its cast to on tour. D&D Live 2019 The Descent. Going from one studio to another in Los Angeles. It's on tour. It's on tour. That's technically She's officially on the road. I think under SAG rules, that's that's a tour.
1: Take it on the road.
0: Make it happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're gonna uh, call her up right about now. Okay. Yay. We have uh, an amazing person that we are interviewing right now, Miss Deborah Ann Wall. Hello.
1: Thank you for having we me. We have a live audience <laughs> today.
0: Yes, lots of <laughs> clapping.
1: Live audience.
0: Wow. Uh, very excited uh, for d d Live uh, hey. this year. And uh, the fact that you are going to, in addition to being a performer uh, uh, on the main stage and many of the yes. storylines, you're going to be Dungeon Mastering, too.
3: Yes. Yay. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah, that was kind of something that just came up in the last week, and they asked if what? I could be ready, and I was like, okay. Seriously? In the last week? Week, yeah, just the last week they they asked if if uh, if we would want to do that, and it was like a soft hold until like today. So um, I better get working. <laughs> yeah,
0: it should be fun. Uh, yes. So yeah, you put together everything for uh, for relics and rarities uh, as like a whole show. What was what was that like? You and you're know? not
1: even like just like I'm just gonna dungeon mash. Like you're like making like this crazy show with puzzles <laughs> and riddles and like really like
0: make, Sets, you're making it a little props. harder.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: I love it. Blocks, All those things. Um, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I love puzzles and riddles and things like that. So I do those all the time every day. Anyways, so like that's just like a regular day for death. <laughs> that's oh. easy. <laughs> easy. That was easy. <laughs> um, I had like a list of all of the puzzles long before I knew what the story was. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they, so it actually, we were just talking before we came on. It kind of started with DD Live last year because um, Nathan Stewart asked me if I would run a one shot. Uh, last year's event the mm-hmm.
0: stream with many eyes yes and you're um, you're a which is a of Briarcleft.
3: which of briar cleft a singular witch is very important that is important <laughs> uh,
0: although if you no spoilers watch to the end no there, there may watch, be watch the there may be more uh, but my wife uh you know, who's not a d and d fan really at all doesn't really in, like you know Ow, yeah. doesn't love the the genre <laughs> um, she watched your performance and that whole uh dungeon mastering story and she that blew her mind she was like i didn't realize oh. that this is what it could be uh and so she got you know super excited and, and inspired by that so.
1: everybody has that one dungeon master that changes yeah, everything. Yeah. It sort of suits your style or something yeah. and kind of, kind of shifts it for you but that
3: was a big part of it for me with relics is that you know, I didn't start playing until an adult. I was an adult. And so my whole life, I really wanted to, and it just felt like this club that I wasn't allowed to join. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the, a big part of Relics for me was introducing it in a way that even if you have no idea what all that dice rolling is about, you can still enjoy the show, and maybe it gets you interested, and then you want to learn how to play. And so the best like tweets and things that we get from the show are all people saying, hey, I had no idea what D and D was, and now I'm starting a campaign with my family, or I'm joined up with this thing, or I, you know, and I'm just like those are the best to hear that like this community is growing and getting more diverse, and more voices are being added to these stories. It's just really cool.
0: Yeah, and I was I was just talking about that in uh, another interview where um, I think that's a really important factor of the streaming kind of. Uh, a phenomenon is that people are exposed to so many different styles of Dungeons and Dragons, and so yeah. they find the one that they enjoy. And then, if they go and uh, try to play on their own, maybe that that experience doesn't exactly match up with your expectations. Mm-hmm. And in the past, you just be like, "Oh, all DMD isn't for right. me because that one experience right, you bounce off right of that." Right. But now you're like, "Oh, I have an ideal that you're shooting for."
3: Yeah. Well, and that the idea that you can't play this game wrong. There's right. no way. And when it's a game, so it's fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like That's the first rule <laughs> um, that I think is really easy to forget sometimes in a complex game sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, so I've, I've really appreciated the idea of kind of like taking off the the kind of um, sort of the 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 kind of intimidating mystique that has sort of surrounded it before and said Mm. like, Hey, however you want to play this game is great. Just go and play it because as an adult, it's so important to exercise our imaginations because we lose that as a kid. We do it naturally. We do it all the time and we don't do it so much as an adult, unless you're like me and you're a weirdo and you play make believe for a living.
1: Um, You know, it's a good thing for all of us to do. So I'm glad more people are doing it. You may have answered this with that, Mm -hmm. but there is something I think about your, your style to DMing that is very approachable to like people like like Greg's wife who don't have mm-hmm. any D and D experience and have really you know not had expressed that much interest in playing D and D, but it's appealing to them and and when you're talking saying about the tweets that you get from people who are yeah. saying I now am going to start a game with my family, yes. which to me like that kind of all feels like the same type of person that you're really yes. resonating with. What do you think it is about? I mean. You do. How do you demystify this game? Like, how? What's the secret there? Like, how are you actually? Because it it is true. There are these people now that watch you DM that are like, I'm going to do this. (laughs) Never done it before. Um, I'm doing it.
3: Well, I think for one, a lot of the guests that we had on the show are totally new players. They're that's good. Literal first time playing is on our show. Kevin Smith. Even though he plays this game as well as any seasoned player, that is literally the first time he's ever played. And because he's such a busy person, with some of the other guests, I had like a sit-down and said, like, here are the basic rules, and like this is your basic go-to attack if you're ever stuck and you just need something to do. You know, and I kind of give him a sense. Kevin did not know how to play play d probably That's still not does fun. not still does not know how to play <laughs> But he was brilliant and it was just because he was so open to it and the story was paramount and he was collaborative and and he was just creative and went with it. And I I like that, that when the emphasis is put on your creativity and your input as a player and a DM, and then I'm playing with you, I'm not playing against you. This isn't about the DM trying to trick you. It's about making this a really expansive experience Um, that I think, yeah, I, I think. I think that makes it less intimidating. Um, you know, we get rules wrong all the time and you're like, all right, who cares? <laughs> you know? yeah, as long as you're having fun. Matter. As long as you're having fun. And it's just the rules are there to sort of, kind of, you know, guide, you know, sort of help the story keep moving. And if the story is moving, you don't really need them in that
0: way, you know. Um, uh, I, love, so I yeah. love what you're saying about, uh, about Kevin Smith because I want, you know, yeah. as a, fan of his you know from the 90s what always inspired me about him was this like diy kind of feel of storytelling <laughs> where like you know there were all those legends of him like you know writing up his credit cards to fund clerks and he just made it with right. his friends and you know it's always like oh well maybe i can do that you know and, and jump into <laughs> it um and i think that you know that mode of creating films probably worked really well for allow oh, allowing yeah. him to jump into this creative setting and just be like, oh yeah, I know how to do this because I this is how I've done my whole career.
3: Yeah, yeah, he was very, uh, very open to it, no fear at all. Some of our other guests, you could see, it took him like half an hour or so to kind of go, oh, I get it, I can right. do whatever I want, you know. Um, but he like right from the start took charge, and and the fun thing about it as well is that like he invented at one point, I you know, he was pretending to be a. He, you know, he's trying to bluff someone and he made up this idea that he worked at Tiefling Traders, which is not a part of Bellbrook, but now it is. Like Kevin Smith has now contributed that to the canon of my world. I you know? That's amazing. I,
1: I love that. And I love that you said he he didn't know how to play, which is actually kind of shocking to me. I don't right. I can't believe he'd never played, but um and, know how to play. And maybe. that he might still not know how to play. <laughs> but yeah. that doesn't matter because no. Kevin Smith had the the same experience of playing d d as anyone 100%. who goes to play DD mm. that maybe knows all the rules and has been playing yeah. for years and they had a good time. The same, yeah. you both play D&D. Like, you, yeah. it just proves again, like, you don't have to know, you don't have to know yeah. anything.
3: Well, when I do newbies, in fact, when I play with new players, I generally don't do a lot of rules. I don't generally let them roll their own characters even. I've, I've you know, designed, like, 20 to 30 first-level characters, and I'm just like, hey... If you were attacked in Lord of the Rings, how would you want to handle it? You know, and if they're like, "Oh, I would try to heal the sick," I'm like, "Great, cleric." You know, <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> I can talk my way test. out of it. Great, fard. You know, you just kind of like give them something that feels instinctual for them, and then I don't give them any rules. I just am kind of like, basically, you're gonna tell you're gonna explore. I'm gonna tell you what you see, and you're gonna tell me what you want to do, and you're gonna roll d20s to figure out if you can do it. Yeah. And we'll point to your sheet and we'll figure it out. You know, yeah. like it's not an intimidating math game where you have to and and people love that stuff like I've never played a game where you like religiously track your ammo and your rations and things like that because that's not what interests me I'm interested in collaborative problem solving so that's the focus of my games and I'm much more interested in what my players have to say than what my characters what their characters have to say I want to know what their brains are capable of coming up with through the lens of character Mm. Um, so I don't do a lot of like Like the social world of like the outcast drow like again i'm just not that interested in it i i want to see what xander and julia and jasmine and tommy can come up with and then use this like character sheet and these ideas to kind of elevate that um so again i think that again if you're not an actor or a voice performer or someone like that that's much more accessible perhaps to feel like i don't have to be good at voices or good at role playing i just have to be a creative problem solver
0: that's awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned that, that amazing cast, uh, you know, uh, uh, Xander, Julia and Tommy, I think we're all at at stream of many eyes uh, mm-hmm. and, and we're fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you talk through for folks who, who may not have watched the show, uh, you know, what, what each of their characters are like and are. What, the, yeah, what the players are like, too. <laughs>
3: well, we'll go down the line. So we have Tommy, uh, Tommy Walker, who plays um, Viros. He is literally a prince uh his character he's a fighter character pretty standard sort of martial fighter um but the greatest thing about so tommy is such a he's such a lovely nerdy guy but he looks kind of like a prince you know so i think he can kind of relate to some of that stereotyping a bit and the really fun thing that we do with tommy is his charisma stat is or veros's charisma stat is very very low oh. because he's a prince he thinks everyone loves him. He thinks he's really handsome and really charming, but no one's ever been honest with him because every joke he made that was lame, everyone laughed because he was the Prince. So it's really fun because Tommy leans into that and he'll, he'll make charisma rolls all day long with his crap stats. <laughs> and it just leads to the most amazing story. And, and in our finale, even as the fighter character, he almost has an entirely role play, um, uh, uh, what is the word I want, uh, ad- objective or, or strategy. It's an almost an entirely role-play strategy in our finale against the big bads. Um, I think that's really cool. That happened a bunch where different characters kind of ended up taking on a role that was wasn't in their wheelhouse, mm. but it made them be creative about it, which that's is cool. so cool. Uh, so then we have Jasmine Buehler, she, you may know her, she streams on Twitch, and she's awesome. She plays Beryl the Barbarian, and she's an ancestral bar- bar- barbarian, which is fun because I don't think there's, at least to, to my experience, um, we don't have a lot of streaming ancestral barbarians. And so it's, it was kind of cool to sort of introduce some of those aspects to uh, to the
1: universe, I guess. What uh, are those aspects? <laughs> In case somebody listening did. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't <laughs>
3: Well, one is so they have this guardian, kind of spirit guardian that can come on and help. And then some of the raging is a little different. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are protective elements that come with it as well. I think they can help protect their allies um, using their guardian. So it's an interesting kind of mix. And to go with that, what I was really impressed with with Jasmine is that rage is an interesting tool. So, again, you can play this game as a strategist and you could just rage every time because it gives you bonuses. Or you could play like Jasmine and say, I'm only going to rage when Beryl would get mad. And there yeah. were moments where it might really have helped her. They were fighting a shark at one point and she never raged because she said, it's just a, it's an animal, you know, like we have to fight it so we don't die, but I'm not angry at it. Mm. And again, like that's such an impressive, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, The really impressive, like use of the, the specifics of the story. And, and I, you know, that again is such a, a to like impose that disadvantage on yourself in order to keep it true. Then we have uh, Julia Dennis, who plays Annabella the Bard. Uh, And she's perfect for that because Julia is like trash talker (laughs) extraordinaire. Um, And the main amazing thing about Julia, Julia is also one of those players who, you know, Tommy and Julia are newer to the game, like the last three years or so, three or four years. And Julia still like, before she looks at her sheet, she goes, oh, I have an idea. And it's usually a crazy idea. And she'll go, Okay, I'm gonna use this makeup and I'm gonna dress myself up to look like this guy. And we'll go, actually, you have a spell for that. And she'll go, Oh great, I use my spell. <laughs> <laughs> so much Which easier. Perfect way again for new players to say, like, just have the idea and the sheets will support you rather yeah. than feeling like you have to play off the sheet.
0: And the other people around you can do the same.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Um and so yeah, so she she has some of the wildest ideas. She's one of the bravest players. She just walks in and lies. Uh, and it's just <laughs> amazing. Some of her roles are, uh, they, some, some of them really support her. But the great thing is even when she rolls poorly, she just digs in harder, which allows her to do it again because she's changed her tactic, you know. And uh, So, yeah, it's a really, uh, really inspiring way to play. And finally, we have Xander jean who plays Ricky, Ricky the Huckster. He's a, uh, a gnome druid. And Ricky did this really beautiful homebrew skin on him, which is an alchemist. So he asked me beforehand and we talked it out, but his idea is that instead of using spell slots, he has little bottles of potions that he has that, uh, do his effects. Um. So for something like fairy fire, he would hurl this potion. And when it breaks, it would cover everything in that area in fairy fire. And that would cast it cost a spell slot kind of idea. Um, and it's just a beautiful way to do it. And it meant every time on his turn, we were all like, oh, what's he going to say now? Like, what does the bottle look like? And how does it work? And it, it just gave this really beautiful, creative sort of spin to it. What a cool idea.
1: Yeah. I like and I about. love that you're just like, okay, let's figure out a way to make this work.
3: Well, and more than that, I told him, I said, if you, you, know, you want to do that, it's such a great idea. But I was like I, feel like, I feel like Ricky would jingle. Like, I feel like if you have that many bottles on you, you'd make yeah. some noise like great and we gave him disadvantage on stealth. <laughs> so it's yeah. like again like like intentionally putting on these disadvantages to yourself to give you something to play with and and to sort of force you to be more creative and not just do the spell but you know
1: how do you counteract your your uh, your downsides. That's so cool. I love that. I like taking th- like there's D&D doesn't I don't always have to have a benefit. But mm-hmm. I think it's cool when like well, I screwed something up and now like some like playing with Satine at Gary Khan, her thing is like if you miss on an attack, then you have to roll damage on yourself. Oh like, wow. with, like with the assumption of like you tripped when you were trying wow. to cast that and now you fell on your face. Oh. But, so, <laughs> but I was like, Do you know what? I hate it, but I love it because that's probably what really happened. And I don't know why I keep trying to, like, make, like, my fantasy real. But right. I, I love that. I love when you add, yeah. like, a real element yeah. to, like, yeah, I probably would make a lot of noise because I'm carrying all these potions around with I'm me. carrying these bottles, yeah. Yeah, and,
0: like, rolling a one is not is not a failure. It's actually this storytelling amazing yeah, moment where you it can like,
1: it's just, Yeah. It 100% just it's just thing.
3: this great new thing and so, I mean the best moments in all games are always those failures because then you have to dig yourself out of it and yeah. people get creative
0: Yeah. I, I love Xander as well he's going to yeah. be performing at D&D Live uh, with uh, Bonnie Gordon as the Library oh, Bards God. which is going to be so fun uh, and uh, we, I don't know if you saw this but a couple months ago we did something with him with his mother, he went back yes, to I did see the it. Midwest yes, yeah. and played with his with his parents, you know, his mom that and her beautiful. friends. Wow, that, I just brought wow. so many tears to my eyes I every single time. Yeah. With, their,
3: with their Wisconsin accent. <laughs> it was yeah.
0: so great. Wisconsin. Yep. <laughs> I know. I'm almost kicking myself that we didn't invite them to D&D Live. But I next time, know. next time. Oh, my I'm God. Like, That's going to be great um so yeah and then hopefully we'll be able to add another special guest too to the cast I'm really excited about who that might be uh we've got uh you know I mean the, the the table's got uh, six player slots so we could even have two uh, additional. yeah we could
3: even have two if we wanted to maybe. so we'll see we, maybe we'll invite some people back maybe we'll get some new people we're yeah. not sure
2: Yeah.
0: Um,
3: I have to sort of figure out where I'm going to set it and what their quest will be. Um,
0: Yeah, so maybe, and we we, we definitely talked about those characters, but um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, everyone knows exactly what the conceit of the show was and and all that stuff. So, you know, yeah, walk us through. (laughs)
3: Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, it all sort of started with, uh, you know, someone from Geek and Sundry saw me at the stream of Many Eyes, and when they were looking to put together a new D&D show, someone recommended me. And they came out to me, and they... the sort of pitch that they had was we want to do six episodes that have an overarching story, but we would also like them to work standalone. And we'd like you to bring in a new guest every time, potentially a celebrity, somebody that we recognize. And I was like, wow, that's a tall order. Like, how do you wrap up an episode and still feel like it's progressing?
0: Right. It's like the X-Files problem.
3: Yes, a little bit. So my thought was, you know, This has been done before was like horcruxes or in zelda you need the compass the map and the key or whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. and the idea being that that there would be five items information whatever it is that you have to go on five quests to get everything you need in order to find and finish off the big baddies at the end um and so the, what, it, what that allowed us to do was kind of keep building story whilst give each of the episodes kind of an enjoy, enjoyable arc on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made sense for a guest star to come in, do a quest, and then leave. Um, and I, you know, suddenly we weren't in the middle of the forest, and that person disappeared, and we have a new person, and we're just going to continue walking. So it gave it kind of a logical idea. Which then gave me the idea of a home base. So I wanted it to be a questing company that was going to send people off. And I said, well... If you were a really good questing adventuring company, uh, you wouldn't denounce that to the world.
1: <laughs> you
3: would be very secretive about it. So I got the idea that it would take place out of a curio shop because it would be the perfect place to hide very valuable items in plain sight. Uh, that something that looked like some sort of junky old item to the, you know, someone who didn't know could actually have incredible magical properties. So yeah, it became relics and rarities, and this was the home base for the R and R Brigade, which goes out and takes care of the world um, while everyone else sleeps soundly in their beds. And uh, they, I went to them, and you know, geek and sundry, and I was like, you know, I kind of feel like it just looked like your grandmother's attic, you know, and uh, and also like, are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps and kind of pull in those kind of childlike creepy vibes and. Um, gave them some reference photos of things I was thinking of and they went away. And when I came back, it was like someone had pasted my imagination (laughs) up in a studio. I was so floored and I've never had that before. You know, I've, I've always been a brick in the wall. I've never liked helped build the wall. Mm. It was a really,
0: Oh, you mean as being an actor and like, and going onto the setting, like I can change my little parts, but not the entire vision.
3: I can be as strong a brick as I possibly can be, but it's still going to be the wall. It's somebody else's wall. And this was the first time that was really like, here are my blueprints. This is the wall I want to build. And you know, like, please go and make as colorful and incredible bricks as you can, and put them all together. And like, it was great to come back and see, see, you know, what your blueprints then become in someone else's head. You know,
0: that's so um,
1: Always more than you know, just yeah. so exciting. That's so cool. It actually, the it reminds me, like, this is. Dude, the setting is exactly what I picture Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse <laughs> to look
0: like. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, like a magic item shop. or that's all. I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Was well, then very fitting. We had Lillard for our yeah.
3: first episode. He was our guest.
1: Yeah. So how? So the the players. Now, did they have experience playing together before this, or how did you bring them all together? So, Julie
3: and Tommy. They play with me in my homebrew game. Okay, so I introduced them to the game. I am pretty sure I'm the only person they've ever played D and d with. Um, well, they're very lucky. They're, I love them so much. They're they're really gr- good people, great players, so creative and committed, good actors as well, which you know can help sometimes, especially if you're doing RPG entertainment, which is a little different than just playing at home. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they, you know, when Geek and Sundry s- said asked if we'd do this. I said, well, can I bring two of my friends? And they said, sure, can we bring two of our friends? And (laughs) we all got together. And so Xander and uh, Jasmine were people that Geek and Sundry recommended that they'd worked with before. I guess Xander is basically the king of Geek and Sundry. (laughs) 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 And uh, they were absolutely the most perfect fit. Um, We had one prequel game. I wrote a really quick, again, like 90-minute one-shot for them to play. Um beforehand and I at the, the the reward of that quest were their magic items because they are starting at fifth level and I felt like you should have a magic item so I had them go on this sort of mini quest together to find their magic items and it was like lightning in a bottle the first time I was really shocked I, having had never played together you know with Jasmine and Xander t- included um it Everyone gelled immediately. Friendships were forged, like, right away. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I think at the end of that session, we were going in, like, that was, like, Friday night. We were going to start shooting Monday morning. And I think that whole weekend, we were all just, like, (gasps) like, holding our breath a little bit. Like, can we just contain this magic that happened and make sure that it continues because it's so exciting. And uh, it was fun, too, like... (laughs) I'm a very physical dungeon master. I like to, like, stand up and move and crouch and do all my things. (laughs) And they had put me in a chair with arms. And after watching that little prequel one-shot, they were like, we're going to move that
1: around because (laughs) you're going to knock the chair over. You need, like, a little wheelie stool, like a dental hygienist.
0: That's so funny (laughs) because I think... (laughs) <laughs> I think those hand motions that you just did yeah. are. The, I think there's an image of you playing up in the uh, the conference room during the stream of many eyes, and you're making those exact same gestures.
3: I'm very physical with that. When I found a photograph, it's on Twitter somewhere. If people want to find it. I found a photograph of myself turning five. Oh wow! And I'm at preschool, and it's my birthday, and we used to do this thing where. You would walk around. You'd like carry. You'd like carry a globe, uh, and then walk around a light. Fo- you like for each year of your birth, kind of oh. thing. Sort of thing. It was a very nice thing. There's a picture of me in that room, and I'm going <laughs> like this. And, down. and I found that photo, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Twiggy! It's this character that I created, that I played it on Critical Role, and I was playing Twiggy in that photo up there." And I was like. That's it. Twiggy just has to be me at five. Yep. And uh, I think (laughs) part of why I love D&D so much is, like all of us, when you get to like middle school, when you become self-aware and self-conscious, you start to hide parts of who you are. Mm. And I think particularly as an actor, so much of my journey has been about taking those covers off and trying to get back to who I was at 12, 11, 10, 5. So I think D&D is such a perfect vehicle for that. It immediately asks you to be a kid again, at least the way I like to play. And um, yeah, so I, I found that photo and I was like, this is perfect and fitting. And I just want to play Twiggy forever so that I can, you know, keep, keep that little girl alive and happy.
0: That's fascinating. My, yeah. my, my daughters are uh, eight now eight and five and you know, I have played D&D with them a couple of times and uh, I've you know experienced something similar to what you're talking about where they just they don't really have any preconceived notions they don't yeah. really know uh, what it is but as as dungeon mastering with them it can just be like well here's sounds like this is what you want to do they have all the ideas they have the child like <laughs> play instincts within them and they just want to do it and I just kind of you know steer it the way it happens um, and, uh, uh, in, in describing what a dungeon master does, my five-year-old was like, well, I want, I, wa- I want to do that. I don't want to do, I don't want to just be the player. I want, I want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, really?" So I kind of like reversed dungeon master with him Like I, I was a player with her and she was coming up with stuff that was just so fascinating and crazy and, 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 and amazing. Uh, and I was the one who's like, all right, sounds like you're asking me for a, you know, a, a perception check. So I'll. We'll do that, and then uh, and then this is and it. Got high, so I can see a lot more. What do I see? And then she would just describe what it was, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, I want to." That's so interesting. I want to hold on to this engine. forever. I don't want them to get. I don't want them to get to middle school and and have oh. that like hide part no, of their but lives. You're, gonna,
1: you're already giving them the the tools. Yes. for them to f- not have to hide that. To yeah, always have that outlet for it.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping with all the gaming yeah. accoutrements I have in uh, the house that they just it just is part of their their DNA.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful though. I love that story. I, I played one of my producers on one of the shows used to play D and D when he was, he was younger and his son was having some trouble in school. I think he was nine and he asked if I would come and run a game for like a few of his friends and their dads. So it was like a eight person game or something. like Um, but I ran the very first adventure of, uh, lost minds and, those kids oh my god I mean one they had a blast and then later that night the father who I knew started sending me photos his son had already sat down and was starting to draw out dungeons oh, I love like, it and here's a monster and he only lets you pass if you're very polite you know like he'd already like created a monster
0: that's so great <laughs>
3: like a role-playing monster um I mean, I see you inspired another future dungeon
1: master oh right
3: like at nine and you know but that's the thing I mean the, the the best things are the ones that are inspirational, aspirational, rather than kind of, like, closed off. Yeah. If you're not perfect, you don't get to do this. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, just kind of opening that up.
0: And I like that more adults are just latching on to this yes. type of play. You know, I think it's something that you, you, you mentioned a, a couple of times of, like, you know, the the, fe- the people that feel the most healthy <laughs> in oh. their in their outlook on life are the ones that are like, hey, I'm just having fun. Like, I'm doing the thing yeah. that I enjoy doing, and it doesn't you know, necessarily add to the bottom line and get you, like, you know, able to get your mortgage paid and all that crap. But, like, you're just enjoying yourself. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, this surge in popularity that Dungeons & Dragons is having now just has this overarching good effect surge on the world.
3: positive mental health.
2: Yeah, exactly. Also,
3: D&D is basically free. I mean, once you kind yeah. of, you know, figure out how to play, whatever sort of that costs at the, the base level, and you could get someone to teach you for free. You really don't need anything. I mean, I most of my games are theater of the mind. Uh that was a big reason why on Relics I didn't want I didn't want um, you know, like minis and set pieces. I was like, I just wanna I just want a grid. I wanna go old school grid and I wanna just draw it out like it's on a piece of paper and maybe we find a few little things that give it some atmosphere. Um, but if it looks like a battle is better in their minds, let's play it in their minds. Like I don't wanna be tied to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to feel like they're in the room, not looking at the room, uh, which I think is an important distinction. And uh, So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a really good one to get into because even if you have nothing but a pencil and a piece of paper, you can play this at a really basic level.
1: That's what I think is also confusing to people is when uh, you tell them like, because my, my parents still to this day are like, "Well, where's the board?
0: how do you win where are
1: the people did you win when is it over and it's like it's hard for people to understand that it's it is a game there are no real winners and losers it doesn't really end unless you want it to end and you need nothing like you just it's in your imagination But again, thanks to you know streaming, people can actually see how the game is played. Thank God, because I am so sick of explaining. Thank Peller. (laughs) To thank Peller, (laughs) to and Pelham. um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so I can just tell my dad just. Just watch
0: this. He's watching right now. He's, sure. watching.
1: he's He's on a train right
0: now. <laughs> Probably not. Not great Wi-Fi. But, um, but, but I mean, you know, I, I love the idea of being in that that room for relics and rarities where you had all these props and yeah. things as well. Like I, 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 I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying about, about theater of the mind being one of the strongest elements of Dungeons & Dragons, but there's also something really, um, and this was you know born true in, in the stream of many eyes, where it's like, yes, we're all imagining this, but how cool is it if you could actually hold you know, the stone of galore and like actually feel like, okay, this is the weight of it and this is what it is, you know? And Mm -hmm. then,
3: yeah, those are all, you know, I think, I think as long as you don't lose the kind of imaginative spark that kind of is underneath that, as long as what you bring out evokes rather than like defines, I think then, you know, again, you're doing it right. There's no way to do this wrong. And we talked a lot about that, you know, because Geek and Sundry we're sort of like hey we have this ability to do a lot of technical stuff and build sets and props and things and since i am much more of a theater of the mind kind of kind of dm i'm not a i said this online gack I, I guess that means cocaine or something like that but <laughs> <laughs> that's the GAC secret. for me has always meant gear like can we have like camping
1: gack or things like that but anyway
3: oh
0: okay GAC the,
1: for, the cocaine you take when camping <laughs> you know <laughs> right
0: me and Shelly are gacked up right now <laughs> with all these like, props that we have, that like, we have work work GAC. right
1: here
3: but I wrote that on Twitter and, of course, I was like, oh, my God, wait a minute. I didn't mean that.
0: Let us tell you about pegging. Yeah.
1: We know. <laughs> We've had a similar experience. We were talking- yeah.
3: Your genes. Yes, I, I didn't I didn't have a – I don't tend to use a lot of stuff. If I do have props, you know, I've printed it off on my own computer or whatever it is. But they really wanted to do this. So I said, okay, great. But let's make it – like imagination is the, is the forefront of this whole thing. So what I want it to look like is kids in their parents' basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then when the DM says you're in a forest and you see all of the trees around you, Hmm. I want it to look like just a little bit of what we'd imagine. So you still see your parents' basement, but there's also a tree, you know? And so that's how we got this idea of like the single set that would remain the same. But we just dress it a little bit each time. That's really cool. Um, and it gives you a little, a little feeling, a little quality of where they are without telling you what it's supposed to look
0: like. I love that too. That's
3: and really similarly with the props, I mean, they, they had such an incredible crew there, you know, cause I was like, look, I can print off what I have. Like, that's how I would run this at home. And they said, oh no, no, because <laughs> <laughs> Brad can do calligraphy and all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so they made all these incredible props that I could literally hand out to them a letter and, um, and I think the good thing is that all of those props, you know, they're all clues. They're just little things that if I were at home, I would hand them the piece of paper or they'd write it down. And so this way it's immersive, but it doesn't, again, take away from the fact that it's all about what they see and what they do with that information.
0: Yeah. I mean, Shelley and I are both, you know, former theater people. Uh, mm-hmm. And so what you're describing basically feels like theater to me. It feels like, like yeah. oh, you're like, yeah. you know, you can, anytime you're on a stage, you can just tell the audience, "Hey, I'm a I'm a king," and then yeah. I am a king, yeah. and then everyone has to believe that, right? And that's yeah. there's very much that power as a dungeon master to, to just say, "This is what the reality is right now," and everyone accepts it at the table, and it feels very, um, you know, evocative. But it's even more so if you've got a sound effect or you've got a lighting <laughs> cue, and they're like, "Oh, they're they're not just in control of what I'm imagining; they're in control of." Yeah. What I'm seeing and hearing in all my senses as well.
1: But I also think some of the most powerful theater experiences I've had have been like intimate arena seating, barebone set, just like mm-hmm. a couple of actors and like mm-hmm. very, very little, like the lighting may change here and there. There may be like a single chair or something yeah. as the prop and you're like, whoa, well, this is. Theater, I'm like, I'm, I gotta do all the work here, <laughs> but you're like instantly, you, you're yeah. forced to, you're immersed in it because you're just, yeah. you have to just focus on on what's happening on the stage, and you're not distracted by like the flashy sets and the stages rising and, <laughs> and
3: all, and all the puppets and the and, yeah. the and
0: the animals on stage, yeah,
3: <laughs> right. But yeah, but that's interesting. Like You can think of something like Lion King, which is clearly a huge hit and everybody loves it, but what they talk about are the puppets and the technicals and things like that. And and so you kind of decide, you know, where do you want people's focus to go? And I think with a game like Dungeons & Dragons, you really want it, I wanted the focus to be on the players and and specifically on their brilliance, how funny they are, how creative they are, how intelligent they are. Uh, That's the most important thing to me is that even, again, even more than the characters, I want those players to shine. And it's really exciting for me that Tommy and Julia are now bona fide Dungeons and Dragons celebrities. I think that is so cool. That is cool. <laughs> and so well deserved. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. That tickles me so much.
0: Do any of them want to uh, jump into Dungeon Mastering now? Are they inspired by you? Are they going to be players forever? Or, or do they I, want to? I
3: asked them that question. <laughs> And both of them said no right now. <laughs> um, i think I think it maybe is a little intimidating still at the moment, but um you know, I'm a really good d and d pusher that's like i've I've elected myself to be <laughs> the person on the corner that's like, "Hey,
1: hey.
0: <laughs> first one, you want to buy some D and d
1: You want some D and d gack?
0: You can get hooked on my gack." <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, is it Tommy and Julia that you, you introduced to D&D? Yes. So yes. what was that? What did they ha- had they expressed interest? Were they like, oh, so I've seen you doing this D&D nope. thing? Uh <laughs> <laughs> you Just um, dropped that I, D&D nugget on them?
3: So Tommy had been in Daredevil the first season, and so I would met him through that. And then they had moved out here from New York, so we were people they knew, and we became friends. And we were just having, like, a barbecue one day, and... Because I love Dungeons and & Dragons, and I want to play it as often as possible, I always just talk about it and try to, you know, again, because people don't even know what it is. So I, I kind of just want to be like, oh, no, it's not what you think it is. It's not that. It's this, like, really free, open, you know, expressive game. And uh, we were just talking, and they were like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I was like, hey, well, if you want to try it sometime, we can get a group together. And, like, lo and behold, we're still sort of
1: playing that game three years later. Oh, my God. And they had never played before. Never before, and now they're celebrities. Now they're celebrities. D D celebrities. D D celebrities. D&D celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> that is very interesting. I love that. So, do you? <laughs> is your preference to play with new players, or do you not I have do a I do love
3: playing with new players. Uh, I, I do think there's something unpredictable about it, and because because they're more likely to just give you their ideas rather than play off of the paper. Um, uh, it's it, yeah, you just you're you're a little more alive and engaged with each other, eyes, you know, looking at each other in the eyes. With with more experienced players, you get some good ideas and some great strategy, but I do find it gets it gets a little bit contained by what they can do rather than by what they can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um
2: whatever. I thought
0: that, that was it. the same word, but it was definitely know, very different expressions. Mind. Yeah.
3: I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so I, I I have a game. I'm running Storm King's Thunder for a group of pretty experienced players right now. And one of them, actually, Alan, was my first DM. He taught me how to play. <laughs> and he actually helped on the show. He, I designed all of the guest characters, but he actually built them for me. Oh, um, cool. Because we talked about it, and he was right. It's more fun to play against characters that you didn't specifically build. So I saw their sheets. I knew what they could do, but it wasn't like I had made it. Mm. So I was a little bit more surprised and inspired by what they came up with because I, I didn't know their characters, you know, like the back of my hand. Um, so, yeah, so he built all of their characters and deserves them. Alan Mills deserves a special thanks. For he, Yay, he does. Yeah, he <laughs> introduced <laughs> well, you
1: to D&D.
3: And he introduced me to D&D and, and got me hooked, and now I'm DMing for him on Storm King. Um, And so, yeah, so Alan is a brilliant player. I mean, he's been playing 30 years more, something like that. And uh, some of the things that he comes up with, I'm like, oh, that's because, you know, you've fought something like this before and died or whatever happened. (laughs) And so you're trying something new. But that's, I think, another level where you go, I have all this experience. Now I just want to experiment. And I want to see, like, is there another way to beat this bullet or, you know, whatever it is? Can I, can I do it a different way? And, and I, I really enjoy his, his experimental uh, spirit.
1: How many games are you running right now?
3: The Storm King right now is the only one that's regular. I'm taking a little bit of a break from D&D at the moment because I'm in a transitional period in my my work, work. <laughs> so I'm focusing a little bit there and <laughs> try and see if I can continue to do my job. Um, <laughs> so I haven't been doing a doing very much D and D. I've been writing a lot of D and have a a homebrew a new homebrew skin that I'm working on, and then I'm DMing for this Storm King pretty regularly. But like Tommy and Julia's game, we haven't picked up in a while. And then I do newbie games from time to time. So I have like three or four first level one shots that if I ever run into people who just want to try it, we go ahead and we play those. So oh my
1: God, that's amazing.
3: I have a couple of those. I don't get to play play very much though. So I'm excited for D&D Live. Nice. So just like
1: play for six hours. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, I know we're, we're, we're figuring out exactly what character you're going to play. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of options there. Oh do you have God. a preference? What do you like to play?
3: I don't have a ton of experience playing just like straight spellcasters, casters. Um, so maybe that would be a good thing to try out. I don't know. Uh, I tend to gravitate more towards fighters or a mix of the mix of the two. Um, but I mean, I love Twiggy. I don't know if they would maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll let me bring Twiggy. I'm not sure. I've, I, I, I keep wanting to play with play her and I, I don't get to do it a ton. So maybe I would do that, but basically I want to find out who the other people are playing. So we don't end up with a lot of overlap because maybe it'd be fun to try something new.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, Daredevil and, and uh, Charlie Cox was also a guest on did, Relax and Rarity. Yeah. Uh, was it, I, mean, I think there were some stories back when you guys were filming that uh, you had introduced him to the game on set. Is that, is that true?
3: Yeah. Uh, yes and no. So, you know, days on set can be very long, and there can be these long breaks between setups and things like that. So I used to bring the player's handbook and just, like, build characters for fun uh, between takes or, you know, between uh, setups.
0: Like cool people do.
3: Yeah. Like cool people do, you know. Oh, well, even worse, when I was on True Blood, I used to bring adventures to set and I would play with myself in my trailer alone
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that and little did you know that uh, Joe was a few trailers down he was was playing alone
3: in his trailer (laughs) I know (laughs) we didn't didn't cross paths very much on set like we were in really different storylines oh yeah that's true Uh, but yes so I think he was just curious one day and came over and we were sort of building a character for him together but we never finished and um, that was kind of as far as that ever went Uh, and then when we were doing press for season three of Daredevil, I mentioned that I got this gig and that we were going to be shooting it and that we would bring in celebrity guests, never thinking in a million years that he would want to do it. In fact, I thought I kind of annoyed the crap out of him talking about it all the time, (laughs) but that's my insecure nerd talking. I'm sure it was fine. Um, and he ended up saying, Hey, could I be one of those celebrity people who comes on? And I was like, Yes. And uh we worked it out. He came on.
0: I feel like that's the exact same reaction that I would have to
1: Yeah.
0: That was basically basically when Geek and Sundry was pitching doing Rex and Rarity for this show. That's basically what I did. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was that so was that his first time playing D D? yeah. What is up with these people that are like, I'll play D&D for the first time live or, or oh, and re- let you record it? It's because
0: of me and you, yeah. Shelley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so
0: scared.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was great. I mean, he
3: he likes games. I don't think I knew that very very much when we were shooting, but I found that out through this process. Um, so that was that was something. Um we talked about it beforehand, so he had a little bit of a sense, and his character had a fairly complex mechanic with both sneak attack and booming blades. He had like ongoing stuff that kind of, which was confusing. So I, we did like specifically map out his kind of main attack. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was great. He did an accent and, uh, I think at a certain point, he was one of the ones that I think it took a little time to like warm up, but there's a moment where you see him go, Oh wait, I could use my mage hand and take that thing over there and we would be safe. And it was like, oh, I got an idea. And then for like the rest of the game, you could just see his eyes were like locked in. Yep. Um And I again, like I think for new players to see that, to see someone a little a little hesitant or unsteady and then see them like take that leap. Uh, I'm so glad that we saw, you know, we saw so many different players engage with it in their own unique way.
0: And I'm, I'm sure that's true for a lot of actors who, uh, you know, similar to you where you're like I've, I've been a, a brick in the wall but haven't been able to actually contribute to storytelling it's a little bit yeah. I mean I'm sure even coming onto to set felt similar to going on to, to the set for, for a TV show that he isn't <laughs> writing you know but then at the, it's that moment is like wait I yes. can write this I can yes. have my idea and it happens
3: Yeah, it's in the show and, and
0: you're right it's, it's canon it, it just occurred and I bet that is that spark for, for people who, you know, who may be creative and may have that storytelling, you know, aspect in, the, in their careers, but don't have that necessarily, you know, that power.
3: Yeah. Well, Charlie, I have always said he is a, he is a great, I mean, he's a great actor, but he also has a great director's sensibility, I mm. think. Like, I absolutely see that in his future for him at some point. Um, and I think, I think that is, I think it's because he has that urge to be a part of the storytelling, to, to make decisions that Affect where and how this is told, and I think as soon, yeah, once that sinks in with D and D, and you go, oh wow, yeah, like I have complete control in this moment <laughs> to affect this story. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of like, it's really great innocent power, you know,
0: and I, benevolent that, power. It sounds like you know you've gotten that. Uh to exercise that directing power a little bit with creating the show and having it be yeah. the wall that you're that you're building with the collaborators collaborators mm-hmm. that at geek and sundry is that something that that you'd want to pursue the directing thing?
3: No, not at this point in time. <laughs> um, mostly because I just I just don't care. <laughs> I, don't care <laughs> about that. I love specifics. Like my bread and butter, the thing that gets me so excited is that tiny little thing you say that then I go, Oh, I can make a whole story about that, that the audience will never know. Mm. And it's just my story that like informs that one word that I say. And that's really exciting for me. I don't really care about like, I don't know (laughs) what color anything is or (laughs) what God it is. Like my approach to acting has always been like, I'm in a documentary and you guys will capture it. And yeah, I'll, sit two inches to the right to help with the shot or I'll, you know, whatever I have to do to help with the shot. But like, I'm not, I just, I don't ask what size anything is or, you know, I, I, it just doesn't interest me. I'm not, I don't really care.
0: Well, I mean, uh, I, I, by, but storytelling yeah. is storytelling though. I mean, if maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's just, you would need to have the right script or the, or you read a script that you're like, oh, now I want to tell the story the way, the way I envision it to be, to be. Okay. It seems very similar to Dungeon Mastering, but maybe that's just the improv nature is more what you love.
3: Maybe, I think so. I like that. And, but then again, you know, uh, even through relics, there were moments where, you know, I was drawing upon my old Aristotelian arc, you know, the thing we all learn about. And so, like, there's one episode, Kevin's, end of Kevin's episode, where I wanted to inter- introduce them to one of the really terrible bad guys. Um, and they had a fairly easy go of it, especially because one of the other bad guys, they kind of skirted her. Uh, they'd found a way to kind of bluff their way around and they never fought her. So I had placed, I don't know if this is spoiling too much, but I had placed zombies all like littering the hallway outside of the lair where I knew she was going to show up. And I made them minions, 4E minions, which basically means one hit, they're down, they're gone. Yeah. And the idea was to give them a false sense of security because they knew the form of this. They knew we were nearing the end of our two and a half hours and that this was going to be their fight they hadn't fought yet so there's tommy using all his superiority die on minions there's kevin using fireballs to kill one hp minions and they're loving it they think they're like like (laughs) loving it and then other people are working on the code and it's really hard to get in this room they're like this is it like the treasure is going to be in here and they get in and they find their stuff and little do they know all of them are in a tiny box with a great above and she shows up and she is impossible to kill at the moment where they are the way that it is. And it was devastating. It was actually devastating. And I, you know, I really intentionally wanted them to be in a place where they were brought to their highest point and used up their stuff and thought, you know, and then find, and then be knocked down a peg. And then of course I wanted them to be mad at her because I wanted them to have that kind of motivation to really be smart when they went after her, Mm. because they know that she's stronger than them. The only way they're going to beat her is if they have a plan and information and a strategy. Um, That's another thing I like to do. I like to hit people with stuff that that they can't just fight, that if it's just you hit and I hit and you hit and I hit, they're never going to make it. They're going to lose HP far faster than the villain will, because I want them to think. I want them to have a plan I want them to have an item. I have something that will creatively allow them to get the edge. Um, that's more interesting to me, one because of the stakes. Um, so yeah, it ended up being a really, a, a really kind of devastating and amazing moment in the show, and it happened to be the penultimate episode. And then they go in and they fight these baddies, and now they're motivated to do it.
0: Nice. And then hopefully, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I know you're still probably writing the story that is going to be this yes. one shot at uh, D&D Live. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see wh- where you want to place it, if it's going to be a prelude yeah. or a, a sequel or you know, a bridge well, to something else.
3: It's interesting. So we don't have a second season pickup for Relics and Rarities. I have no idea if we will or if this will just be this special thing that we did once. But regardless, I have written a second season. Of- <laughs> oh, my
0: God. <laughs> You're like I, I got mean, one ready outlined. to go.
3: It's outlined. It's like I know. I know the. I know the structure of it. I know generally kind of what the main quest lines are going to be. Um, so whatever I do, run. You know, th- this month I, I would want to make sure that continuity wise, it'll work with what I have planned. In case we get to do it, although frankly, even if we don't get picked up, I'm going to run it at home with my friends anyways
0: you're like you guys (laughs) get to get a sneak peek of uh r&r too
3: (laughs) so yeah so i have a little i have an idea uh we'll see i have to decide if i think it's exciting enough for a little quick one shot and especially since some people who haven't seen the show this might be their first exposure to it so i want something that feels like they can engage even if they don't know the surrounding story and then go back and join us maybe yeah so I
0: don't know. I it's hard. Yeah, right. You want to give a taste of the yeah. gack without uh, <laughs> without giving without away all the gak. <laughs> full
1: gack. You want the full gak. You got to come back.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's why you're a brand <laughs> manager.
1: Write that down. Write that down.
0: <laughs> that's 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 marketing gold right there. So when
1: you're when you're writing your stories, how much of it are you or your adventures? How much are you actually writing? It sounds like maybe a little more than an outline, but is it like a full on?
3: Um. I always write the, yeah, an outline pretty much. I mean, I, I've written the structure of it because that's sort of important. And especially, again, this is where I think RPG entertainment is different than RPG at home. Yeah. If I were running a homebrew game, I would have a really rough outline of where this is going. And then I'd only really have specifics for what we're playing tonight. And then based on where they end and the things they were interested in, then I would flesh out where they're going because this is a show and I knew we kind of had to wrap up each place. Um, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more railroady. Um, but because of that, what I wanted to make sure is that within like, you're always going to you're going to Bentham manor, whether you want to or not, you're going to the manor, you're going to figure out what's happening. But while you're there, there are 10 different places you can explore. There are 10 different ways you can solve this problem. You can get clues to solve the problem. Um, and so within the manor, there is complete freedom. Um, and that's really what was important to me. If I'm going to make you go places that I tell you to go, uh, you can solve this quest and go anywhere you want. Bellbrook is a completely open arena. They can go wherever they want. I have a couple of places that are mapped out that are important to the story. But, like, they went to Tiefling Traders, obviously. <laughs> Kevin Smith made that up. Uh, that wasn't written.
0: So you got to go there. You got to go.
1: You
3: go there. And that's what happens. Uh, so yeah, it, they're rough outlines. Um, I don't like to use a screen, so I just have a few notes really to remind me of a couple of key things. Other than that, I wrote it, so I kind of know it. Um, yeah, it's pretty rough.
0: That's interesting. I, mean, I like. I, I it's very similar to the, the, to the to to my approach to dungeon mastering, where yeah. I'll I'll like have like an idea, very little notes, and just kind of wing it. Of course I'm usually going from published adventures that D&D has and I've been working sure. on those and feeling them out and I didn't write them but I definitely have like oh a, a connection with them so it never really feels like I need to uh, uh, have like even what's going to happen on each individual moment and, and if someone's like hey we're going to go into the sewers, I'm like alright I'll come up with some encounters that you get into the sewers and why are you going there again? I, okay you're just going to get some, some poop, out, poop on your clothes um, but I think what Shelly's really asking is, is how can she start dungeon mastering?
1: No, she's <gasps> scared. No, Although you exactly. are very inspiring, well, thank you. I'm you so should really do it. I actually,
3: I really, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's all I can say. But I mean, you really should. It's so much more, um, it's it easier than you think it would be because it's just you, and and it's just whatever you think is cool. I mean, all of the, the episodes are, <laughs> yeah. But all the episodes in RNR just came off of things that I like. You know, like I like The Exorcist, so Bentham Manor is a ghosty possession story and I like Indiana Jones so there's a you know there's an Egyptian tomb a kektesh tomb and you know so I don't know I just pick things that I liked because I knew I would have lots to say and lots of things to put in there and so it's really much easier because you don't I think I think it would be much harder for me at least to write a campaign set in the Forbidden Realms where you have to know all of that history yeah. and you have to, that's really hard and I really admire the DMs who aren't at Wizards of the Coast and who haven't written this all already, who learn all of that, who read the history books that come out and figure that all out. Because that's such a, a, a complex world to write in. Um, if you're homebrewing it, you can make it up and then it gets to be real.
1: I think the key for me would definitely be new players. Yeah. Because they don't know. They don't know 100%. what I don't know, so totally. It's just the key is just to let them have fun.
0: You can make it like the Real Housewives of Bachelor um, <laughs> and just play the that Real
1: Housewives of Bachelor That's Nation. A brilliant
3: idea.
0: Yeah.
3: The whole thing takes place in this mansion. <laughs> yes.
0: There's going to be some tables. They might be flipped at some point. For sure. For got. harpies. <laughs> 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 the
1: house for harpies.
0: <laughs> See, you got the enemies oh already, and they oh
1: all God, have like God. a common goal. The treasure is going to be oh my some God. dude. Can I please play this game? Yes! Can you write this and run this? I actually actually might. I might start (laughs) taking some notes on this. I was just thinking, I think I have an outline in my. Yeah. Because this would be right up her alley. Let's do it. We keep threatening to do a real Housewives adventure. It might have to happen.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's it. We're doing it on on the Twitch channel. You're all invited. (sighs) Okay. Ryan and Pelham included. Uh, well, I'm so excited for D D Live. We're going to see you. Uh, uh, gosh, it's only two weeks away.
3: Yeah. Oh my god. Oh I'm my gonna gosh. Write, like as soon as we get off now. That's crazy. Yes. I'm couple Puzzle for And for that Play testing because puzzle. I always like to play test puzzles because you don't want people to feel dumb. Yeah. So I want to make sure they're like just hard enough, but not so hard, and you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was something
0: <laughs> we had to do for the for the Dreamy Eyes, where it was like, yeah. all right, we want it to be hard, but we can't let it. Be easy not, not either. Yeah, Alyssa Teague did a wonderful job uh, writing those puzzles so that they nice. happen right at the right time. But it's right. Playtesting is key.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, for folks who uh, are interested in finding about relics and rarities, where where can they go to now to watch those episodes?
3: So if you're a subscriber to Geek and Sundry Twitch, the entire series is up there for VOD. You can watch from start to finish. Um, and then on Geek and Sundry's channel on YouTube, we are through the end of the fifth episode. So two more weeks to release. You know, next week will be the first part of this last episode, and then two weeks will be the second part of the last episode. But yeah, everything is available there, as well as all these really cool little reflection uh, relic reflections where I talk to the guest uh, actors about oh, that's cool. their experience playing D and D.
0: I love those. That's I love the idea. the idea of a of a talkback. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Well, even so, like uh, we had Simone Missick come on for our big finale, uh, who was on uh, Luke Cage. Um, And something, you know, a really big thing happened right before her game. And she did her interview before her uh, episode. So when first thing we sit down, I'm like, so how are you feeling? (laughs) You know, now that you see that there are stakes and consequences, and here we go. Uh, And it was really interesting for her to be like her first experience with it was this very dramatic moment.
0: That is super cool. Um, Yeah. So uh, where can people find out about uh, about you personally and what you're doing as well?
3: Oh, um, I'm on all the social media stuff, myself, and then a webmaster is what we call them, uh, who helps me run it. Because I'm not, I'm not very good at social media. I've been pretty good about it with Relics, though, because I'm so <laughs> excited about it. I'm like, oh, great, yeah, I'll promote whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Uh, so they, you know, they help me out. We do a lot of auctions uh, for the Foundation Fighting Blindness and the Corderoomy Research Foundation. Those are um, a cause that's very near and dear to me. So we do a lot of stuff. We sell Daredevil items and Punisher and True Blood and some D and D stuff. will be popping up soon too.
0: That's nice. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's your your now. your partner yeah. uh, EJ, right? EJ Scott. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, that's fantastic. And I mean, we didn't even get to talk about that, but there's 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 a uh, uh, a portion of what we, I've been trying to be excited about is making D and D more accessible to people who have uh, uh, yes. you know vision impairments and and hearing impaired and all that type of stuff.
3: What well, was incredible last year, I think Nathan showed me that there are um, uh, uh, braille dice now, which is so exciting and great. And I actually, each and I were talking, and I was thinking it would be really fun to try and run an adventure where all of the descriptions are extrasensory, so without using visual description. So when they walk into a stable saying you smell the hay and the manure and you hear the neigh and the rustle of some of a horse's tail and like really leaning into those senses and creating that the world out of that rather than relying so much on saying you enter a stable. There's hay on the floor right. and feeling is 20 feet high, you know, um, instead of saying there's an echo in the space, you feel that it's large, you know, like trying to kind of give it a. A different flavor, so maybe I'll write something like that.
0: It's, yeah, I, I played a character on a on a live stream here on this channel where I, I was bl- the character was blind. And mm. every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, what do I see? And then everyone would be like, you don't see anything. I'm like, oh, great. No, I mean, <laughs> what, what, do I, what, what do I perceive? What, what happens? And it's, it's so interesting to have to kind of, yeah. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about d and is you get to put yourself in shoes that you don't normally fill and, and experience that. And uh, uh, it, was, it was really yeah. enlightening. And we worked with a great um, uh, 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 visually impaired D&D player, Blind Temple, and, and found mm-hmm. out all uh, of those things. And he was, he was wonderful. But it was a it was great experience. And I'm hoping to, yeah, yeah. to do that more going forward.
3: Yeah, no, it's been impressive challenge. in. Yeah, it's been impressive in the published materials as well. The again, the more diversity and kind of you know, I I've I've been enjoying that uh, a lot more experiences are being included. It's just a really, it's a good time to be in role playing games right now.
0: For sure, and we're glad that you're you're a big part of it.
1: And in two weeks, it's going to be an even better time to be what? in role playing games.
3: It will D&D indeed. Lives.
1: Now I'm getting nervous.
0: <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. A little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh well, thanks a lot for, for calling in, uh, Deb. It's always uh, wonderful you. to speak to you. Uh you are inspiring and uh, uh it's wonderful and I can't wait. For you
3: guys it. as well. And like and thank you for having me on today and like thank you for being so welcoming in this community. You know, I, I think like I said, I was really nervous about exposing the side of myself and it's been nothing but positive reinforcement and and uh and support. So I'm yeah,
1: thank you. It's a Good community. Thank you. For sure.
0: It is always great uh, talking to amazingly creative people uh, about dungeon mastering. We've i have got a like, lot of them. I feel like you've learned a lot.
1: I'm inspired.
0: Are you going to go do it? Yeah. Let's roll for initiative. Okay. Wait, that, that, you have to pronounce. You have to you know practice saying that. You do it.
1: All right, everyone. Roll for initiative. Okay, I can only (laughs) say that. That song comes up all the time in our household. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Which song was that?
1: Whenever Quinn does something super exciting or we want to get him to do something, and we always do the... Come on. You yeah. You went to clubs in the 90s. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's like a clapping and like a, hey. Yes. 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 Yes.
1: I, what is that song? It was
0: less about the clubs. That was more about the uh, uh, athletic complexes. Uh, oh, the sporting events. sporting yeah. events would Maybe use those things. Yeah.
1: Those are two things I don't do very often.
0: <laughs> Go to clubs and yeah. sporting events. Yeah. Sometimes you do them at the same time. True. Yeah, but not not me. Either. When
1: I dance for <laughs> sport,
0: when I dance competitive for you. competitive <laughs> competitive dance. sport dancing. Yes, you all ready for this, Burner That's nah. Yes. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to get kids hyped up to it, change their clothes. Yes. Or it's
1: time to brush your teeth. Brush
0: your teeth. Let's practice sight words. Let's get ready to rumble. Yep. And then he'll actually like. It. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you have to do when you're a dungeon master, getting people excited for Combat. You need a
1: good nineties club song. <laughs> that's
0: what everyone says. That's the secret. That's the secret of dungeon mastering that we've yep. learned uh, from Deborah Ann Wall. I can't wait to see her uh you again too. at uh Line two oh four studios for D and D Live. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh her entire cast is great, uh and it's gonna be it's gonna be rocking it out of the park. Can't wait. We will be doing uh, this. We're going to be doing Dungeon dra- Dragon Talk live with lots of coffee because it's in the morning when we're doing our stuff. It is going to be crazy.
1: I was and just fun. telling Ryan how much cream I had to bring to you when I would bring you your coffee at GaryCon.
0: Yes, it's true. Um, he also said, oh, you like some cream with your coffee? And I'm like, it's really like that Beastie Boys lyric from uh, Intergalactic. Which is, I like my sugar with coffee and cream. Oh, yeah. Because yep. yep. this is sweet and light. Your
1: coffee, if your coffee was a Def leopard song, it would say,
0: Pour, pour some, some sugar, sugar on me. me. Yeah, not pour Come salt on. into the wounds.
2: <laughs> <I'm
0: going forward. laughs> no, no no, clapping for that one. <laughs> Come on, people. It's That's amazing. Good. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. How can people get in touch with you, Shelly, about all of the fun things that you're doing and the announcements you're going to be doing at D&D Live?
1: I think after that awesome Def Leppard reference, they're going to want to get in touch with me. That's right. Find me on Twitter at Shelly Moo or Facebook at Shelly Mazinobel. Writer.
0: Writer. Don't go to the
1: other one. No, like, I don't really even like, like
0: that. Like Ghost Rider or... Like riding a motorcycle rider? Riter. Riter. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, that would be so much cooler, though.
0: If you were like, rider.
1: Yeah, dragon
0: or rider. With like a Y. Like, wow. you're,
1: Maybe I'll change it.
0: Uh, you can on Facebook. That's the amazing thing about you it. You
1: can do anything. So, yeah. There's be- good stuff there, though. I find amazing content and put it there.
0: Nice. Yeah. I'm very content with your content. Uh,
1: you can also go to Avalon Hill. Uh, games on Facebook nice. or Avalon Hill 2,
0: the number two on Twitter. I also like the number two. It's <laughs> something I do every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With all that coffee you're drinking.
0: <laughs> exactly. <It> goes <laughs> right through me. Uh, I am at Greg Tito on the Twitters. You can find me on Instagrams <laughs> at uh, Greg underscore Tito. Uh, I haven't been posting as much r- very recently, but I'll be doing more when we're at D&D Live because those yes. are Instagrammable moments in as so they worldly. say in the biz.
1: Can you can you do an insta story?
0: I will. Oh yeah, I should get more into stories. I don't know what that means. It means something I ignore. Okay, basically what that means. But a lot of other people like it. Do you say who are younger than we are. A lot
1: of you have asked me about my skincare routine lately. Oh yeah. So I use because you're an Instagram influencer. It's right? true.
0: So I use um, tap water that comes mm. from the shower and I rub it into my face and then it gets dry for a while but then it flakes off usually by about 10:30 and I'm good to go <laughs> i have to do this a lot to my shirt <laughs> see this is the type of instagram content people watch right? i am if you're not
1: following greg tito <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're
1: gonna need to start. That's amazing because
0: that's the routine that everyone out there needs to follow. Uh, all right, so if you want to find out about Dungeons and Dragons, there are many ways to do that. Uh, we do not do uh, makeup uh, tips, but we should for cosplay. Oh, come no, on, we really should. Saffine
1: and Kate Wells could
0: right. Oh, I really want them to do this. Uh, show. I can't wait for the the makeup effects that are going to be on. Display at D Live. I can't the wait for are be very cool.
1: to do my makeup. Yeah,
0: Misty Dawn, she's going to do there and make it app, and she did all the amazing stencil work you saw in the stream of many eyes. Like when uh, uh, Ivan Van Norman had his uh, yes uh, uh, eye makeup, that was all like that. And then Nathan had like a star on his face and like all that stuff, like looked really really cool. So we're going to do some stuff like that for D D Live. Maybe we should do that for Dragon Talk. Yes, where we have like you know. Maybe I'll get like my face on your face and your face on my face. Okay, that's now. Oh,
1: that would be so cool. It's
0: like a John Woo movie. <laughs> I'm John Travolta and you're Nick Cage. Um, so yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. You can find out about that. On, at DungeonsandDragons.com. There's also a new issue of Dragon Plus out there. It details all uh, the things that are coming out in the you know relatively near future, including Ghost of Saltmarsh, which is out on May 21st, and Acquisitions Incorporated, the D&D source book, uh, which is everywhere on June 18th. Um, we are excited about all those things. We're going to be talking about those products, uh, as well as handing out copies of Ghost of Saltmarsh to people with their swag bags what? at D&D Live. People will get a bag. There's going to be 25 items in this bag, which is a lot of Are items. Serious? Yeah, individual items from all of our partners, all of our vendors, including Beetle & Grimm's uh, Pandemonium Warehouse, Death Saves. I'm wearing a Death Save shirt right now, thanks to Joe. Um, and, uh, you know, WizKids, Gale Force 9, um, the uh, awesome Ludia mobile game that's coming out, Warriors of Waterdeep, Um Dungeon Masters Guild. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm blanking on There's so many other amazing vendors. They're all going to be there and giving away fun, fun awesome. stuff. As well as selling wonderful D&D merch you can't get anywhere else at that event. I can't stop talking about that. I'm, just, I'm like, there's more things I it's didn't talk all about. all
1: that you can think of.
0: Ugh, it's amazing. So follow all of us. Again, all that stuff is going on at uh, dnd.wizards.com slash D&D Live 2019. Follow the hashtag D&D Live 2019 for stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think, I think this is done. I think we're going to close this out. Let's do it. Is there any way that we can use these Young Adventurers Guide books to prop up these rocks so that they don't fall on us? Every single oh, day, totally. they're, every they're, single they're week, they fall on us. Books. Books. Yes. books. yes,
1: let's try that. Okay. Let me just move them over. We're going to put them in. Okay. Oh, yes. But, but, but the situation just right don't here. tip the... Uh, don't... No, ow! Okay, ow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're falling.
0: Ah! Oh, rocks fall everyone else.